Father, thank you for uh, your word, and thank you for your faithfulness to your word. Uh, thank you that you know each and every one of us. You have intimate knowledge of us. You know precisely what we need in this moment. And uh, I thank you that this subject is the subject of hope today. I pray you'd help me to uh, be clear and to let your word do its work in our midst, and uh, that you would bring uh, hope to every heart. In the name of Christ, we pray, amen. I want to uh, share with you that uh, this is a, a time when we are preaching on a theme that comes from a book. And so you can know that the topic, the subject, uh, even a few sentences and quotes, where they're coming from, and some of the books are in the back there, and it's called How People Change. And if you want to just take a book and you want to throw in a donation later, that'd be great. But if you feel moved to uh, get a hold of this book, I would. There, there's some copies there that are available for you. Um, the, God has a change agenda for us. He has a, a plan for us, and it includes the here and now. And we've been looking at the idea that functionally, as we go through our day, we have a thing called gospel amnesia. That is that we do not remember our redemption in the time in the moment that we're living, we tend to be forgetful. And so this series is, a, is an attempt to get us all on the same page as to what the Christian life looks like. And I want to remind you that we are all counselors. Uh, it could happen uh, in the church parking lot. It can happen uh, at the commissary or Safeway or in your kitchen, around your kitchen table, we are all giving each other advice and ideas about how to handle life. And the question is, is as we think about it, what are we actually saying that would be biblical counsel for people? And today is a remarkable subject. It is the subject of, of hope. And there are in Jesus Christ, in God's great redemptive purposes, there are no hopeless situations. I want you to just think about that for a moment. There are no truly hopeless situations. We are barraged with uh, negative news. We are barraged with trouble uh, through the various media outlets. There is some new crisis going on at all times. And we can get uh, pretty well beaten up by this, this barrage and think we are in a hopeless situation. And so today is about the, the promises of God that can be summarized in this title, Here is Where God is Taking You. Here's Where God is Taking You. I must confess that when I'm in the heat of the moment, when I'm under pressure, when I'm feeling anxiousness, I do not remember where God is taking me. I am forgetful about that. 
What's remarkable about the New Testament is that if you were just to, to read Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, Philippians 1, if you were just to read the first opening paragraphs of these epistles, you will find a theme of future hope. You're so secure in Jesus that this affects not only how God views your past, your present, but also your future. There's a remarkable statement in Romans 8, uh, 30, that says that all that God has, all those that God has justified, he glorifies. It's in the past tense. Glorification is that time and place when we enter into uh, the presence of God, having left this momentary body, and we are now no longer burdened by a fallen understanding of God and a fallen body and burdened with sin. Glorification is promised to everyone who is trusting in Jesus. Now, these are familiar words. We sing about them. You hear them preached. These are Sunday morning words. We're bound for heaven. But what we what needs to happen is for us to change. In fact, God intends that our destination is to shape us and change us in the moments of our lives. So the future glory is not to be just some fuzzy sort of something in our future. The future glory is actually to make a difference in the moment that we're living right now. And that we are to realize that the salvation we experience in Jesus, we can truly, truly say that God is always acting redemptively. He's always working redemptively. That is to fill your heart with, with joy. I don't know if there's a pressure situation at work or perhaps in your marriage or with your children or something where you are being, you're feeling a bit hopeless. And this future glory is to have such a, a real uh, place in our hearts that we don't hold on to this moment as tightly. So with us is chapter 3 in the book, uh, How People Change. And uh, the key text uh, that the authors uh, Tim Lane and Paul Tripp use is uh, there's two texts. There's Revelation 7, we'll look at that momentarily, and then uh, Philippians chapter 1. And uh, Philippians chapter 1 includes this remarkable statement from the Apostle Paul, who loved the Philippians. Remember, Philippi was the place where the Apostle Paul first landed in Europe. And uh, a woman named Lydia is recorded as the first convert in Europe. And then there's the incident with the jailer and the earthquake that takes place, and Paul and Silas are singing hymns, and this earthquake takes place, and the, the jail falls apart, and the jailer uh, realizes that his life is, uh, well, he's probably going to have to give his life because he let, he's responsible for all these uh, prisoners who escaped. And Paul and Silas say, hey, don't worry, we're still here. At least those two were still there. And the jailer cried out, having likely heard Paul and Silas uh, singing hymns of redemption, the jailer ca calls out and asks 
What must I do to be saved? And so the jailer uh, immediately believes upon Jesus, and he uh, opens up his home, and it's in Philippi that the Apostle Paul has an experience of great hospitality, and he has a close affection for the Philippians. And he writes them this this beautiful line in verse 6, that I am confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Now, that is a remarkable thing to counsel someone with. Somewhere in the Philippian situation, they must have lost sight of God's glorious purposes. Is that true for you? Somewhere in your day-to-day responses to life, you are responding as if you have no other hope but this situation, this problem that needs to be fixed. You're responding with only this momentary life to hold on to. The Apostle Paul makes so many com, uh, insi- has so many insights into this subject. He says in Romans 8, uh, uh, 8, 8, 18, I believe it is, he says that I do, I, I do not consider the present sufferings of this moment or of this life, do you know how it all goes? Worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. Listen to that. I'm evaluating, I'm thinking about my life, I'm thinking about the circumstances. These are, by the way, this includes stonings and being imprisoned and having the threat of your life uh, uh, upon you pretty much regularly. And he says, I consider the sufferings of this life, and now let's let's match this. Is this suffering worth it? Is it worth it? I consider these the sufferings of this life not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. So as, as Paul went through his life, he would evaluate the trial, the situation. It was a trial. It was a hard thing. It was a, a, a suffering. He doesn't minimize it, but he doesn't let it have such weight that he loses and so that the glory to come is functioning like a counterbalance. It's, co- it's functioning like a, the old teeter-totter, right, with the two kids and one kid's a little more heavy. And uh, it, it, right, it, it balances, it, well, it, count, it, it presses the one, the one child is up in the air because of the weight of the other child. It's, things are out of balance. These are, things are out of balance because of our understanding of future glory. In chapter 3, they, the authors mention that we are meaning makers. We are looking quickly and all the time trying to evaluate the meaning of something. Maybe you're doing it right now. <laughs> what, does, what does this mean? Why, why am I here? What, what, what's important about this? We, are in, we always are interacting with Meaning. We are looking for deep meaning or significant meaning or value. We are always evaluating the meaning of something. And the moment something doesn't hit us, hit home with our, the place where our meaning is, is discovered or, or made, then we will get out of that situation. In the book, there are five scenarios of people who are looking for meaning in life. A woman who just cannot 
they committed to her immature husband. There's an immature husband who just cannot stop being immature. <laughs> uh, there's a young man who has found busyness in church to be a kind of a way of his identity, and he has so longed to be an officer in the church. Here's chapter 3. And so he has, in a busy way, served the church. He has been more visible, more serving, more sign-ups, more volunteering. He's been active, and he's been present, and he has been overlooked multiple times. No one has nominated him to be an officer. And he is angry, and he leaves the church. You see, we are meaning makers. We are interacting with our situation, and we want to experience in this moment uh, a sense of purpose and hope and so we are vested in the moment. It will, uh, in this desire for meaning, this desire for uh, pleasure, this, this desire for purpose, this desire for happiness, whatever we conceive, it comes out of a dream. And they mention in chapter 3 that we are fallen dreamers. We don't dream deep enough about what has to happen in our life. So we may have dreams for a new husband. We may have dreams for a different job. We may have dreams for, and these are dreams that have nothing to do with the change that's needed. Are you ready? Out in us. We have all kinds of dreams for something that should happen, perhaps for us, but not in us. And so the change process is something we actively resist. And how do we resist it? Well, we come up with plans for our life. Our momentary, this tiny little slice, maybe we'll have 80 years, uh, this tiny little slice of life, we will find all our meaning in this moment, and we will grab this moment tightly, and we will have no room for God's agenda of change in us. And of course, what does God do in us, or what does God bring our way to change us? He brings things we would not normally want. And he does that for our good. And he brings about circumstances in order to further his agenda of change for us. He is committed to your change. He's committed to your growth. He's committed to your good. And so the Apostle Paul knows that what Christians need is they need a counterbalance. They need to know that he is at work in them. This is Philippians 1.6. He is at work in them, and he will not stop doing his work in them. There are no moments in my life, there are no moments in your life, there are no moments in a church's life, no moments in your family's life that are not moments where God is acting redemptively. He is moving forward with his remarkable agenda. This is good news. This is hope-filled news.
Now, in Revelation 7, I'll just look at that briefly. You can look, at our, you can look it up, or you can look at our, our call to worship. Actually, we had a, a, a good section from uh, Revelation 7. There is a gathering uh, that John the Apostle sees in heaven of every tribe, every language, every people. And what they are doing is they are giving praise to God and it's quite interesting how that they are focused on the glory that's due God for salvation. They are not giving God glory for perfect families, marriages that, uh, that work, uh, an American dream that was worth fulfilling. They're not, they don't come with their own particular agenda. They come giving thanks to God for salvation. So at the core of my resistance is a resistance that says, I am wise in my own eyes. Sounds like Adam in the garden. I am wise as to what I need. I am wise as to what I should have in my life. I am wise as to what kind of uh, experiences I should have in life because I know what is best for me. And God trains us to say, yes, Lord, your will is done. Yes, Lord, your providence is working. Yes, Lord, your purposes are underway. Yes, Lord, your, your plan is unfolding to conform me to the image of your son. So the, the point of, of much of this is that we would have a common way of helping each other and counseling each other. So you are interacting with someone, you're talking with someone over coffee, and they're complaining about their life. What do you do? They are complaining or perhaps gossiping or perhaps, what, how do we turn this into an understanding of God is at work and God is redeeming, and it's not about your comfort in this moment, but how do we turn this and say, and say and interact with someone and begin to counsel them about where they're placing their hope. See, I'm placing my hope in a certain kind of situation. I'm placing my hope in a certain kind of circumstance. I'm placing my hope in all I'm really experiencing is a lot of disappointment. And so in the moments of our life, what we're doing is we are seeking to turn our hearts away from this temporary moment to the eternal moment. The infinite good that's coming our way is going to have a greater happiness in us than this temporary moment. So this is a way that we begin to counsel each other, the way we begin to talk to one another, the way we begin to think about our lives together. There is a big agenda underway. And God is good to bring it about. And there are no hopeless, hopeless situations. And what is going to be revealed to us is going to be remarkable. One of the prayers that we can make is, Lord, help me understand and hold on to the story that you are, you've included me in. Um, I know in my own heart I will depart from the story. 
help me remember the remarkable story that I'm in. Help me to not be easily kidnapped by a, a false dream. Help me not be uh, choosing some better world that I can imagine for myself. Help me to agree to the change that you are working in me, to be patient, kind, fruitful, productive in the moments that you give me. We are convinced that others need to change and our circumstances need to change, but the cry of our heart needs to be, Lord, I need change. Was it in the life of Jesus that we see someone who envisioned a world to come and lived in obedience to the Father for that world? On the way to the cross, he spoke to some women and he said that I am making all things new. In the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the trial and the difficulty, he spoke words to them to give them hope, to look beyond this suffering and that this was not a hopeless situation that they were going to look at on the cross. So we're called to look backward. We're called to look forward and then see the glory that's to come and to work that backwards into our lives. There's only one who saw clearly how to live. There's only one who saw clearly how to live in this moment and to understand what the future is going to reveal, and that is Jesus. And we are called, as Jesus looked to the Father for all things, we are called to look to him. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2 say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run, engage in the process, run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the race that includes change. And while we're running, what are we doing? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. In the moments of your life, in the pressures and the circumstances, he is perfecting your faith. Let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, future, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We need a God-sized vision for our lives. And uh, the call for us is to look to Jesus, who is this remarkable case study, who understands all the details, all the suffering and the hardships of our lives, and who promises us his abiding presence, his word with us, the fellowship of his people, the means of grace, and an abiding, remarkable Spirit of God that is working in us to change us in the moments that we are given. So let me pray for us.
Father, thank you for this moment, for this time. Uh, that there are no moments that we experience in this life that are not redemptive, that you are at work. And so we're grateful. Uh, be with your people now as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we consider the, our future hope as a people through the body and the blood of Jesus. In the name of Christ we pray, amen, amen.